welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Welcome to the Oxygen Star Podcast, where we bring you your adventures, books, and conversations, your ABCs from 11,000 feet. I'm Stacy, And I'm Christopher. And with us, as always, is producer Doug. Good, Good morning. Good hey, morning. Hey, Doug. How's it going? Thanks so much, listeners, for joining us today. We will jump right in. Christopher has an adventure to tell us about. Yeah, so I picked an adventure this time that's a little bit quirky. Um, I like quirky adventures. And so, listeners, the three of us, Stacy, Doug, and I, were in June Lake earlier this week we uh, were. with like dozens of our closest colleagues and friends for an all-staff meeting. Such a beautiful day. And a beautiful place to be yes. for a day. Um, and, you know, it reminded me of one of my uh, uh, favorite little stories of the Eastern Sierra. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like an urban legend, but we're not in a city. So I don't know if it's a rural legend or Alpine legend or I don't hmm. know. What do you think, Stacey? Uh, coin a new term? Let's coin a new term. Let's just call it an, an Eastern Sierra legend. How about that? We'll add it to the list of Eastern Definitely. Sierra legends. So um, read listeners, as I almost said readers, I hope you're all readers too, but listeners, you may have remembered our podcast with Carol Lester a few episodes back where we talked a little bit more in depth about June Lake. I just want to set the stage. June Lake as a town is set on a loop off of Highway 395. It kind of goes off to the west in this beautiful loop canyon around Carson Peak and comes out to the north. There's four lakes along the way. And June Mountain ski June area. June Mountain ski area, beautiful waterfalls, some great resorts and some really great food and a brewery. Yes. So um, June Lake has been around quite a while. And back in like the 20s and 30s, when the Eastern Sierra was really being marketed as kind of like an outdoor sports enthusiast location, mm -hmm. you know, for fishing and hunting and that kind of thing, it really took off with like the Hollywood set. Yes, I, I've heard that. And I think there's still a lot of Hollywood types, people, types. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know if that was okay to say. <laughs> well, it is now because we said it, <laughs> but back in the twenties and thirties, there were like, you know, I think Wallace Beery, who was a really well-known character actor, famously had a cabin on Silver Lake, Frank Capra, who yes. wrote and directed It's a Wonderful Life and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. He and his family had a cabin in June Lake for decades, I believe. Yeah. Clark Gable, Betty Grable, all these people would come up and they would hunt and fish and I guess, um, occasionally ski when there was the first ski resort there. So it was kind of a bustling little town back mm -hmm. in the day. And in fact, there's still parts of that town are still there. The tiger bar, which is a kind of a fun place to go for lunch when you're out visiting libraries has been around since the early thirties. Yes, I think. forever. I think it actually has one of the oldest liquor licenses in the state. Probably. <laughs> I, yeah. I understand at the same time, you know, um, being in the Eastern Sierra 20s and 30s, Los Angeles Department of Water and Power was up here too, right? They were redirecting water from the Owens River up the Owens Valley and all the way up to June Lake and Mono Lake, right. where they redirected some streams into their infrastructure to send water south. And so there were a lot of people working on that project, like building a big tunnel and damming Grant Lake and all that kind of stuff. There were a bunch of workers around living in the area. Yes, quite the controversial project too, but... That's, L.A. wouldn't be L.A. what it is today. 
that hadn't been done. Right. And uh, we'll, we'll save that topic for another podcast conversation because there's a whole other podcast in that. Um, but this is just to say June Lake was a thriving little town, little mountain town. And what I didn't understand and what I learned was that back in the day, California allowed some forms of gambling, apparently. Really? Really. And so they left it up to the counties to decide according to what I read. And uh, Mono County allowed draw poker and slot machines. So long as as they weren't in Bridgeport, they could be anywhere else in the county, but Bridgeport was quote unquote. The county and the county seat. So that makes sense. So don't break the law right under the judge's nose, I guess. (laughs) At any rate, um, then kind of closer to World War II or whatever, I guess the state decided that that was no longer okay and pull out gambling and all this stuff. But June Lake, being in its own little hidden corner of the world, kept at it for a while, didn't pull okay. out those slot machines. And so legend has it that in, I guess it's like the late 40s, maybe, after World War II and after the L.A. water project was completed and all those people were gone, Um there were a few remaining slot machines in town and there was word that some, you know, some hired goons from Sacramento were going to come over and pull those slot machines out from the businesses that still had them and take them away. Uh, wow. Right? Probably like proverbial knock some heads together. And of course, you know, you can imagine the reaction. The business owners decided they would take matters into their own hands and they weren't going to let that money go to the state. So they apparently pulled the slot machines out of the buildings in the middle of the night, put them in a boat, rowed out to the middle of June Lake, and dumped them overboard. So slot machines, money and all, to the bottom of June Lake. Oh my goodness. Isn't that hilarious? Yes. So that's where the legend begins. Interesting. Because not unlike the Loch Ness Monster, or that monster we were talking about at Convict Lake the other episode, people have tried to find these slot machines. There have been people who've dived June mm-hmm. Lake looking for them and have yet to actually uncover these slot machines. So it truly is a legend. It truly is a legend. Now there's, in my admittedly quick research, I did find a slightly different account, which is a little less um, interesting and compelling, hence probably why it didn't become a legend, which was that the business owners took these slot machines out of their own accord, dismantled them, pulled the money, and shipped the metal off to be melted down and repurposed. Ah, so okay. and maybe a couple of them ended up. Well, in the lake. somewhere in the middle is the the truth. Yeah. Which our listeners can decide for themselves. Yeah. And I what I like about this one is if you're driving into June Lake off of 395, just before you come up to June Lake itself, okay. there's a road off to the right, takes you off to O Ridge. You can go down yes. to the beach at June Lake. If you pull off there, there's like a little pullout section with a historical marker. Okay. And it's one of those E. Clampus Vitus historical markers, which often have a little bit of tongue and cheek to them. Right. Um, this one is shaped like a slot, a slot machine, machine with the handle on the side, the whole bit, and this legend <laughs> imprinted on the front of it. So I just find that a quirky, fun, little hidden aspect of Eastern Sierra And history. just another adventure our listeners can take. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think we want to encourage all sorts of people to go to June Lake and dive the lake looking for these slot machines. Maybe not. But but listeners, if you are inclined to do so, let us know what you find. Yeah. We want to cut. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) 
there's probably $5 in those machines at the bottom of the lake. <laughs> at any rate, yeah, that that's the adventure. I encourage people to check it out. We'll put a link up on the, on the show notes for people who are interested in learning a little bit more. Absolutely. How fun. Yeah. Okay. Take a deep breath. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back, listeners. We are at the B section, the book section, my favorite section. Is it your favorite section, Stace? I think I, yeah, I, I do. I like this section. You like it today. I, I, I'm I like looking it at today. your face. Your facial expression isn't coming through the microphone, but you know, I think I, you'll I'm, do it. I'm into it today. So uh, this episode, we decided to focus on one book yes, and just chat about one book. And it's a book you picked this time. Do you want to lead us in? Yes. So I picked the book called The Interestings by Meg Wolitzer. And this was published in 2013. Right. Not her most recent work, but um, her second to most recent, I believe. Yeah. she. I did a little bit of research mm-hmm. here. Um, she, just a little. As you are wont to do. <laughs> she has written a number of books. So her most recent book is called The Female Persuasion. You're probably seeing that on library shelves and bookstore shelves today. That one came out about a year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. That was her 11th book. Wow. She's also known for writing um, a few interesting ones. Uh, one that she wrote is called The Wife, which many people will know was turned into a movie vehicle for Glenn Close, who got an Oscar nomination for it. A really powerful and interesting story. Yes. Uh, and she also wrote this book, which I thought was interesting, called The Uncoupling, which is a modern retake on the legend of Lysistrata. Who is a Greek heroine type feminist person. Right. It's one of those sto- Greek stories that has been retold, I think, a few times in the last 10 or 15 years in modern literature. And it's about women who rebel about against war using yes. their their control over their husbands and mates. Interesting. So, yeah. So, you know, Meg is an interesting writer and she's known as a literary writer. And so I think the interesting falls right in there. Yeah. I Well, you know, for me, I started reading it shortly after it was published mm-hmm. and I couldn't get into it right, right. right then. So kind of put it aside and then brought it back again, picked it up and was started reading it and got right into it and wondered why didn't I get into it before, but... Why do you think that is? I'm not really sure. Maybe took me a little bit longer to connect with the characters back mm-hmm. then when I first read it. Maybe I just was not in a headspace to have the patience to open to up to it. it. Yeah. So, well, without getting away the story, you can give it away as much as you want, but it's, <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> want to give any spoilers, <laughs> but can you give us a little sure. context about so, it? So the book opens in 1974, right around the Nixon impeachment resignation, mm-hmm. all the, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And there are six teenagers who mm-hmm. meet at a summer camp that is geared toward talented quote unquote, I'm put, I'm making quote fingers <laughs> right now, talented, um, teens. And this group of teenagers, this new girl comes in to the camp Uh-oh. named Julie. Okay. And she is enveloped by this, this already group. formed group of what I kind of 
think are were, were like the popular kids at the summer camp. So let me let me dive in with a question mm-hmm. here. So I know Meg is some of her books have young adult characters. She's yeah. actually written a young adult book. What you just described to me, 1974, summer camp, teens. This sounds like the beginning of like horror slasher stories. Well, or, well I was going to say the beginning of like a bad 80s summer camp movie. movie. Yeah, like there, there were millions <laughs> of those, right? Does this pan out that way? Uh, no, it does not. <laughs> Fortunately, okay. it does not. No, the, so the... That's where they all meet and they form this connection and mm-hmm. they take that connection with them all through their lives. So the the part of the book where they are teenagers at camp is relatively short. So who are they? So they're they are these mostly they are kids from the New York area. Mm-hmm. Um, several of them come from wealthy families, families of means. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jewel, Julie, who, who is renamed by this group is Jules. Okay. She is not from means. She was given a scholarship to this camp. So that is kind of where the themes of this book go. Mm -hmm. You know, it's this issue, issues of people who are born talented Mm -hmm. uh, versus people who have to work at their talent Mm -hmm. and people who are born wealthy, born Mm -hmm. into wealth and people who don't have wealth and and how how this group of these different personalities and these different levels of wealth and talent mm-hmm. have formed this bond together that takes them through their into their adult life so is the group rechristening this character from Julie to Jules like a does that portend something that she goes through? Because that sounds like a group of like sophisticated New York kids yeah. rebranding a kid in their image. In I, I I think they they kind of do, but she knows <laughs> Jules knows mm-hmm. that she's really she's different from them okay. because she doesn't come from what they come from. Okay, you know I think it's kind of similar to any. Any situation where you have a group that's already formed and then the new person comes in, mm-hmm. you know, that new person, I don't think ever really catches up. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's that way with Jules, even though she becomes a, like a moral compass, yeah. you know, in the, okay. in a center that everybody kind of rotates around. Rotates around. Um, although, so when they become adults, two of the characters marry. Okay. And they become uber wealthy. They okay. become really successful based on the husband's gift. He is the really talented. He's an like, artist, right? Yes. He's yeah. a cartoonist. Yeah. And he creates a cartoon that becomes a television show not unlike The Simpsons. Okay. <laughs> so he becomes you know, uber wealthy. Mm -hmm. And then you have the character Jules, you know, who never had wealth. Mm -hmm. When she becomes an adult and gets married, she kind of stays in that middle class Mm -hmm. realm, doesn't achieve that level of wealth that this other couple does. And they're all still friends. But they're all still friends. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's very interesting to read how they navigate these elements of of their lives and yeah, what there, the, what they have and what they don't. There must be some self-reflection or mm-hmm. maybe some feelings of inadequacy or like 
who's got the talent and who doesn't. Absolutely. Yeah. Who's know? got the money and who doesn't. I, I love that there's this one, one quote and I'm just going to read part mm-hmm. of it so I don't give it anything away, but this is Jules talking and she says that jealousy was essentially, I want what you have while envy was, I want what you have, but I also want to take it away so you can't have it. So does that play out in the thread of the book, that last bit? It's that's, That quote comes more as a realization on her part okay. that she is understanding that she not only was jealous of Ash and Ethan, mm-hmm. but at some point she wanted to have it herself, but take it away from them. Okay. And she's just kind of realizing, you know, realizing that. And then she can, now that she's admitted it, she can put it aside. And so that's kind of, we were talking before the show, I had read a, another quote, which is just a a, kind of like the final thought Mm -hmm. of a quote from Jules in the book. You could cease to be obsessed with the idea of being interesting. And you said interesting, the author uses as a noun. Yeah. So there, there's another quote by Jules later on in the book where she talks about that you, in your choice of whom you marry, Mm -hmm. you don't have to marry somebody wealthy. You don't have to marry somebody talented. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to marry an, an interesting. Mm, So they referred to themselves at camp as the interestings. So this kind of almost sounds like a little bit of a big chill scenario or something where a group of friends over a period of time, Mm -hmm. but they each evolve as adults and in different relationships and how they parry and, and sway with each other. Yeah, absolutely. It's very big chillish. A very big chill. It also reminded me of another book each of us have read and we want to talk about at some point. Um, uh, Rebecca Mackay's The Great Believers that came out last year. Such a good such a good story. And yeah, very simple, you know, this like new, almost like a nuclear family, mm-hmm. but they're friends mm-hmm. and they exist together over a long period of a time. A long period of time. Yeah. And what happens to each of them and how their relationships evolve yeah. or disappear yeah. or reconnect or mm-hmm. what have you. The Great Believers, I think, is a book that each of us would recommend. Yes. Um, oh, for sure. It's very powerful. Very yep. literary. Rebecca Mackay is a great author too. The other book that that's reminded me of, which we've mentioned before on the podcast again, is The Secret History by Donna Tartt, mm-hmm. which is also about a group of younger people. This is college, um, young friends in a very tight-knit uh, group mm-hmm. over a period of time. And they stay tight-knit almost because of something that happened in the book. I won't give that one away. But, you know, this is kind of a literary trope, right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. A group of friends who evolve over time and what happens. Yeah, and it's it's fascinating to me but that that happens, mm-hmm. you know, just because my life has been spread out across a continent mm-hmm. and, you know, it's not easy to keep up right. relationships that you've had for a long time. Right. And I, I think this whole... Um, genre, I guess, of groups of type friends Mm -hmm. growing up together and hanging out together and becoming adults together is fascinating. Yeah, it is. I'm curious to see how some authors take it in the Facebook era. Yes. Because I reconnected with all sorts of friends Mm -hmm. from when I was a teenager or young adult on Facebook. It's a different kind of Staying connected. Definitely. But, you know. The- yeah. Ba- back when you had to write letters to keep in touch, <laughs> you know, now you you have Facebook, but that's, right. that, that in and, in and of itself changes the, the dynamic. dynamic. Yeah. yeah. 
exactly. So, I'm sure there's a few plot lines in that. I think so. Well, The Interestings was great. I recommend it. Re- listeners, if you read it and check it out, let us know what you think. Ping us on our our Facebook page, our website. Yeah, or recommend Instagram. other books to us though, yeah. on this on this theme of friends and groups of friends. Again, you can find the book in the library or your local bookstores, yep. what have you. We're, we, we are very interested in what you think of the interesting. So great. That's segment two. Take a break. Take a breather. Go get a glass of water. We'll be right back. Oxygen, a colorless, odorless reactive gas, the chemical element of atomic number eight and the life-supporting component of the air. Starved. Suffering a severe and damaging lack of basic material and cultural benefits. Oxygen Starved Podcast. A colorless, odorless, culture-packed, nutritious podcast considering books, describing Mono County adventure, and engaging in informative conversation with colorful Eastside Sierra locals. Download it now. Welcome back, listeners. We are so privileged today to have Bob Gardner, uh, Mono County Supervisor for Area 3, joining us today. Welcome, Bob. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. We're so happy that you made the time to join us. I know you're leaving on vacation tomorrow. Uh, That's right. (laughs) (laughs) We got you just in time. Good timing. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. So, Bob, we always start out our conversations with our guests to ask them what was the adventure that brought them to Mono County. So how did you get here? <laughs> well, I, uh, I was raised in Bishop. I wasn't born there, but I spent nine years growing up in Bishop. And so as a result, this has always been a sort of vacation home yeah, for nice. our family. Uh, and that was the same situation for my wife. So this became the place we wanted to retire. And that's really what our goal has been. Even though I spent most of my career in Washington, D.C., working for the federal government, we would always come out here. And in the back of my mind, always our goal was to come up here because it's such a great place to live and play and, and awesome. really have a good time. You're in good company. Both Christopher and Doug grew up in Bishop as well. So yeah, spent time on the East Coast, although not yeah. D.C. Yeah. <laughs> good move. Good move. <laughs> So how, what was the impetus or the motivation for you to become a supervisor? Well, it, um, I, I say sometimes I flunked retirement three times. <laughs> um, and, and this was another one of those flunking experiences. I came up here really, as I said, to retire. And Tim Alpers um, sat down with me at one point because I'd been aware of, of his leadership and his role in the Board of Supervisors. And, mm-hmm. and I know you've had him on recently. Yes. Yeah. Tim's a great person. And at one point he said, um, glad to hear you guys are up here. I hope that you're having a good time in June Lake. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm g- not going to run again and we need to find somebody that can take my seat and i said uh uh well that's great tim i'll talk to people in the in the county and in june lake and see what we can do and he said no you don't understand i think i found the person <laughs> so so it that's kind of went it from there and uh it's i was on the uh, city council in redlands so i'd been mm-hmm. kind of down the road uh in an elected position and it's been a great experience it's got its uh adventures uh, yeah, but sure. uh, it really has been a great experience and in in that role as a supervisor you also serve on with me on the first five commission. Are there other roles that you have to play in? Right, right. And the first five, by the way, is really one of the pleasures because we're doing great things there, as you know, and that's, I really enjoy Mm -hmm. being there. I'm also on the board of the Eastern Sierra Transit Authority, which uh, is, of course, the buses that run up and down the whole region. 
And then also I serve on the Eastern Sierra Council of Governments, and we're going through an exciting time there because we're turning that into a, a legal authority that can get involved in a lot of things like housing and the airport service ultimately wow. for the whole region and just a lot more things that are really regional in, in nature. Uh, I have a saying, uh, if I can, can excuse myself for a minute, and say, it's a region, damn it, and, and we need to act like that. And, and that body does a lot of those types of things to encourage more coordination with the two counties and the two cities. It is important. I mean, one of the things that struck me when I moved back here is housing is not just an urban issue here. It's a, it's a big issue here as well. Right, right. You know, why do we have so many library systems? Maybe we should have a regional library system. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Take over the world. Don't give him any ideas. (laughs) So we were talking about June Lake earlier Mm -hmm. in this episode, you know, the, the legend of the slot Slot machines, machines. um, which I think is one of my favorite little stories about the Eastern Sierra. You live in June Lake. What's it like living there? It's a great place. Um, June is a has maintained sort of the the small community village uh, spread. There's we live in Down Canyon, down uh, sort of the bottom of the horseshoe, if you mm-hmm. look at it that way. Mm-hmm. But it's a great group of people. A lot of businesses have been there for years. In some cases, uh, kept a family business going on. There's at the same time new businesses coming on. Uh, yeah. Whether it's the the Balanced Rock Saloon, the brewery, the lift, uh, just a lot of real exciting young people coming in and saying we want to live here. We want to have a business and. And so it's an exciting time of change in June Lake. That's awesome. Is there is there something about that community or that area that you, when you moved there, when you retired and your wife and I, you came up, is there something that just struck you as unexpected that you didn't expect when you moved there? Well, I suppose the diversity of, of the people that are up there. Yeah. There's a lot of people who've been there for 40, 50 years. Yeah. Again, uh, the neat thing about June Lake is when you ask people the question, they'll say, well, I came here as a child with my grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> this is where we always are. And then there's others who say, we came up here five years ago and have been coming up here, mm-hmm. and now we've bought our second home, or we've right. moved up here, and things like that. So it's a, it's a, it's a wide range of experience. And then the that there are more, the three quarters of the homes in June Lake are second homes, yeah, right. that, which, is, which is a large percentage. But that coming and going also adds a you know a rich amount of, of variety and diversity of experience and personalities. Oh, totally. And I've met, I've had the privilege of meeting a few of those people. Many of the friends of the library of June Lake Library are second homeowners, and they right. come in seasonally, and they really are connected and want to support their local community. It's terrific. Yeah, there's a great spirit there. The community center, the library, the thrift store, the women. Women's Club is a real force in June. Yeah. They, they, they raise are. a lot of money. Yeah. They contribute to a lot of students in the yeah. schools. It's a it's a great a great group of people that have a great tradition of service. Yeah, that's awesome. So, as a going back to your role as a supervisor, what is what's happening? What's the big issues facing? <laughs> what can you tell us? We all want to know. Oh, it's it's pretty boring, you know, just approving <laughs> contracts. And, no, I think. Gosh, uh, last week we approved a couple of housing. Uh, opportunities, small ones, but a five-unit housing project in in Mammoth. Yeah, uh, and then a one-unit uh, opportunity in June Lake. Um, of course, the the um, um, issue of the power outages yes. that with, right. with Southern California Edison continue to be a concern. Yeah, and and we're getting better, and they're getting better about adjusting to that. Yeah, and hopefully we'll, we're over the roughest part, but I think it can still get better in yeah. terms of notification and them deciding when to pull the trigger on, mm-hmm. on doing it. We have a mm-hmm. couple actually in, in here in Mammoth right, right now. Right now, yeah, I know up in the up in the Lake Basin yep. and a couple other areas. 
Um, so we're learning about that. A lot of discussion the last couple of weeks. We did have a healthy discussion about tobacco okay. uh, just uh, oh, this good. Tuesday. We appreciate the letter from the Board of Education on that and from the from the mm-hmm. Mammoth District. Uh, we did um, agree to continue the ban on, uh, well, to implement the ban on flavored tobacco, oh, which was going to, we had a delay of a year and it was going to expire at the end of this month, yeah. um, but we voted to actually put it into effect, which I think is really important for our kids. Absolutely. Yeah. It's quite the ac- epidemic that's Absolutely. occurring right now. Yeah. So good job. It's Appreciate about our kids that. and it's about the quality of life and that issue goes right to Absolutely. That. Yeah. That's everywhere as well. Yeah. So the you mentioned June Lake being a second homeowner community. Is it more do they come more in the summer or in the winter or is it splits? It's it's mostly the summer. There's a few that come up there uh, to ski at the mountain mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. Right. But mostly it's a it's a um, really a summer into the fall. Uh, depending on the on the snow in terms of the spring, but there's a, a great group of people uh, really that that are there all the time yeah. in terms of certain times of the year, and it's exciting to to see them again and sort of renew. We, there's a group that we have dinner with that are just great people. Some retired professors from Southern California. Uh, the president of former president of Claremont McKenna College is oh, uh, has a home up there. Wow. They're just incredible people in terms of just a chance to get together. That's awesome. Yeah, we were talking about that, how it, June Lake was a big Hollywood refuge kind of community oh, back in the day. In the yeah. day it, may, it might still be. I, I wouldn't recognize Hollywood stars today. Yeah, mm-hmm. just down the street from us, certainly not our our street, but down the street from us on Silver Lake, <laughs> uh, the... Um, Capra had a the oh, uh, Capra yeah. had a house. Walter right. Lance of Woody Woodpecker fame. Woody yeah, Woodpecker had a, had a place. There's a lot of great legends. The Heidelberg Inn. There's pictures of Bing Crosby and Clark Gable. Wow! And, and oh my so gosh! There's some great history there. <laughs> so so we'll have to explore cool. that a little bit more. Definitely. There's always we always learn <laughs> new things on this. That's why it's so great doing this podcast. So Bob, we always ask our our guests to tell us what are they reading now. So. Well, probably the the book that I that I read uh, most recently uh, that I really enjoyed was uh, Ron Chernow's uh, biography of Alexander Hamilton, which yeah. of course the musical is based on. Right, and uh, it was great. The detail in there is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, you come away from that um, as you come away in some respects from the musical, feeling that Alexander Hamilton has not been given his due. Right, and Absolutely. indeed we wouldn't have the country we have. We certainly wouldn't have the financial system we have without the contributions of Alexander Hamilton, who was as the play said. As an immigrant, yes. and there's that great that great line in the musical uh, where he says, "Immigrants, we get, get the job done." done. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, yeah. And and the book is full of detail, tragedy, incredible tragedy that he endured mm-hmm. early in life mm-hmm. through his life, and then of course a tragedy that he was was killed yeah. in a duel. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, just a great book, a thick book, takes a lot of time, but I enjoyed really the detail about him and appreciating the contribution he clearly made to the country. That's one of the things I was going to say about the author, Ron Chernow. We were chatting a little bit before we started recording. He's written a number of really thick biographies. Mm -hmm. So President Grant, Ulysses Grant, you know, Washington. Um, He is a phenomenal researcher and phenomenal at turning that research into a compelling story, right? That also contextualizes the importance of that individual on the history of the country, Absolutely. And the influence that he's had. Yeah, the letters. Clearly, a lot of his research is based on letters Mm -hmm. and diaries. Mm -hmm. um, Because, you know, there's detail in there about how they felt and their personality and their relationships. And it's really interesting as far as 
um, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And you actually find out, I learned a lot about the Hamilton family there, you know, mm-hmm. that no family is perfect. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, and that comes out to, I mean, you know, they're human, not just these massive figures or, or, right. or faces on a, on a dollar bill or something like that. They're, well, and the you know, and human point's an important one. You learn a lot about Thomas Jefferson and yeah. James Madison mm-hmm. right. and, and James Monroe in, in Cherno's book. And clearly, you know, authors have biases. Yeah. I'm reading a book now about Jefferson and I'm thinking, hmm, that doesn't necessarily correspond <laughs> with that. But they are human and they had conflicts with yeah. each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's what's fascinating in terms of thinking, my gosh, you know, when I'm struggling with perhaps being... Um, uh, civil and charitable with some of my colleagues. That's exactly what was going on then. Only they were talking about the future of our country. Exactly. Did did you find there were lessons in leadership that you took away from this book? Yeah. I mean, I think clearly um, Jefferson tried to never, you know, from a saving face and from Mm -hmm. a really in conflict, keep arm's length from it. Yeah. Where Hamilton was like, look, we got a country at stake here. I'm going to get into it. And yeah, maybe I'm too blunt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of the lyrics in the musical yep. are based on a lot of his <laughs> yeah. direct words. Yeah. But I, I think there's, those are trade-offs in terms yeah. of when do you stifle it? When do you put it on the table? Mm-hmm. I was pretty forceful the other day about the tobacco issue, but then I felt like we're talking about kids here, so I'm mm-hmm. not going to sugarcoat it. Yeah. And I'm not going to, you know, be so diplomatic that, that I don't frankly be persuasive. Right. And there's a time to be passionate. And, and I think that comes, came through very much with, with, with Hamilton. He was passionate about where he came from, where he wanted to go and building a nation that could survive and take care of people. Yeah. And you could be passionate and civil and get the job done. Right. Yeah. Even if you're not an immigrant. (laughs) <laughs> Just avoid duels, that's, yeah, that's all. Right. That's right. Stay away from, those. Stay away from the duels. <laughs> well, we so appreciate your yeah, leadership here in Mono County well, and you. everything that you're doing for our families and our kids and really, really appreciate you taking time away to come chat with us today. It's Thank fun. you. It's been great. One last question. You live here in one of the most beautiful scenic parts of the world. Where do you go on vacation? And we're going to... <laughs> We're going to Africa. Uh, we leave on oh. Sunday. We're going down to L.A. tomorrow, and we're going to Africa for a couple of weeks. Karen's Brilliant. brother's arranged a, a tour, a safari, and that's sort of one of those things that you do or you never do. Wow. <laughs> so that's where we're headed. Good to, for you. That's a good answer. Hear about <laughs> uh, we expect the county to be very calm for the next few Okay. <laughs> I'm sure we'll count. Will. We'll count on that. <laughs> well, listeners, thank you for joining us for another episode of Oxygen Start Podcast. If you enjoyed us, we do encourage you to to go online and rate us on Apple iTunes podcasts or um, SoundCloud or iHeartRadio, or just leave us a note on our website. We have our contact information there. Um, And also our Instagram page, right? Stacey, what's our Instagram handle? Oh, too starved. So thanks for listening. Take it, take it easy. Um, If you're a little oxygen starved where you are, take a glass of water, eat something salty, sit down, enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us here for Oxygen Star. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. In Competech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.